Have you ever had that experience where there's a song that gets stuck in your head and it just like goes on a loop over and over and over and over and over in your head? Ever, anybody ever had that experience? My son, uh, my two-year-old right now, has a song on loop in his brain. Um, and I don't know where he heard it, maybe at church or Sunday school. It's Mary, Did You Know? Do you know that song? Mary, did you know that your baby boy... You know that song? So my two-year-old has that song stuck in his mind right now. Um, the problem is, he doesn't know all the words. He only knows the part that says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy... And then he goes, Mary, did you know that your baby... And then he does this, you see, over and over and over and over and over again, and it drives everybody in the house crazy. And so what I like to do as a, as a good father is um, if it's quiet and people are concentrating on different things, I'll come over and I'll, I'll sort of like sit down next to him and I'll go, I'll prime the pump. I'll go, Mary, did you know? And then he'll start doing it, and he'll be, and everybody will be like, "No, not again!" Because it just it goes on and on. And then he does this really interesting mashup sometimes that I found to be fun. He goes, "Mary, did you know? Nobody can drag me down, down, down. Nobody, nobody." So um, it's straight crazy what he does. But um, whenever I whenever I preach about peace. And today we're focusing on the Prince of Peace. I get this song stuck in my head. And it's a song that I grew up with um, by Shirley Caesar. And it's called Peace in the Midst of the Storm. Uh, And so the reason I love this song, the reason I love Peace in the Midst of the Storm as a song that's talking about peace is because Peace in the Midst of the the Storm, the lyrics do not minimize the storm. Because what happens is when everything is cool and when everything is calm and everything is fine in your life, You're not worried about peace, right? Because there's just no chaos. There's no confusion. There's no anxiety. There's no worry. But it's when there's trouble in your life, it's when there are storms in your relationship or with your finances or in your career or at your school or on your job, that's when you need peace. And so I want you to hear a little bit of this song, but I want you to love this song, so I'm not going to sing it for you. I've asked Mimi and Tomiko if you want to come up and help us with this, because when we're struggling in life, when we're fighting against the storms of life, when we're coming up against like challenges and problems and storms in our life, and many of us, especially as the holidays draw near, we experience those storms in a more palpable way. We experience greater anxiety. We experience greater depression. We experience greater uh, worry and fear. But this song tells us, and the scripture tells us, that we can have peace in the very midst of that storm. Take it away. When the world that I've been living in collapses at my feet, When my life has been tattered and torn Though I'm windswept and battered I can cling 
to his cross and find peace in the midst of the storm. There is peace in the midst of a storm tossed life. There's an anchor and there's a rock to build my faith upon. Oh, Jesus Christ is my vessel, so I'll fear no alone, because he'll give me in the midst of the storm, yes, he'll give me peace. In the midst of the storm, amen. Yeah. Somebody should say amen to that, man. Um, all of us face challenges in our life. All of us face storms. And Jesus never says that you will not face storms. He never says, follow me and you will not face storms. He actually says the opposite. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good courage, he said, because I have overcome the world. So I want to ask you today, in your sermon notes, there are some lines where you can write down where the storms are in your life. What are the storms in your life? Because during this sermon, during this message, and during this week, I want to invite you to invite Jesus into the very midst of the darkest, most terrifying, most troubling, most anxiety-inducing storms in your life. Because that's where he finds, that's where he produces peace. He produces peace right in the very midst of the storm. We've been focusing on this, on this verse for the last four weeks. And today is our last um, uh, sermon in this series, uh, The Perfect Gift. Where we're looking at a passage from Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born. And he said, for unto us a, a child is born. He said, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Because when we, are, when we need direction, he's a wonderful counselor. When we need power, he's a mighty God. When we need love, he is an everlasting Father. And when we need peace in the midst of the storms of our life, of our emotions and our relationships, and our finances, and our careers. He brings us peace in the midst of our storm. Now, when you hear this, when you hear Jesus described as the Prince of Peace, one of the questions that may come to mind for you, as it does for me, is if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then why are we experiencing so many storms? If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, as the Scripture says he is, then why do I still have storms in my life? 
Why am I still having storms in my relationship? Why am I still having storms in my family? Why am I still having storms at the job or at school? Why am I still experiencing those storms? And if that question is a question that is on your mind, then you are in very, very good company because it's the exact question that Jesus' closest followers asked him when they were in the very midst of a massive, terrifying, life-threatening storm. And it wasn't an allegorical storm, and it wasn't a metaphorical storm. This was a real thunder and lightning waves cresting the boat, threatening to topple them kind of storm. You see, Jesus had been teaching and preaching and healing and confronting religious leaders. People loved Jesus. People hated Jesus. Some people wanted to kill him. Some people swarmed him because they found him to be such a wonderful person. And one day he was with his disciples and he needed to get away from the crowds. And so he wanted to get into a boat and he wanted to go across the Sea of Galilee. And it says that on that day, the scripture says, when evening had come, after he'd been preaching and teaching and prophesying, he said to his disciples, let's go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so they got in the boat. They were tired. He was tired. He wanted to get away from the crowd. And the scripture says that leaving the crowd... They took him, the disciples took him with them in the boat. But while they were in the boat, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the waves are now coming over the the bow and coming into the boat, so that the boat is starting to fill up with water. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're on some kind of a marine vessel that is threatening to capsize or is threatening to be taken down. But these guys, you have to imagine in the first century, this is the Sea of Galilee, these were experienced fishermen, and they knew that if the boat goes down in the Sea of Galilee, and you're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, you just have a very limited amount of time, so you're going down also. You're not going to swim from the middle of the Sea of Galilee to the shore. There's no Coast Guard coming. There are no life jackets available. There are no water wings for you in the Sea of Galilee. It's just your fish food. If this thing goes down, you're going down with it. So these these sailors, Jesus' followers, were terrified by what was happening in this boat. The winds had started to sweep up, and the waves were now cresting over the boat and coming into the boat, threatening to take them down. My only experience with this is when I was at youth camp as a teenager, uh, they took us to um, uh, in McCall, we went up to McCall, Idaho, and we went on the Snake River on this rubber raft. Now, I have to tell you, the rubber raft that we went on, maybe, you know, it's because our church was a smaller church, but this rubber raft was not um, a really seaworthy vessel, I would just put it that way. Um, it actually looked like a series of inner tubes that had been melted together by somebody's uncle, you know, one of those kind of deals. And so we're all on this raft on the river and we're you know teenagers and we're thinking this is amazing and we're going down the snake river in mccall idaho all i remember is bang we hit a rapid and this thing i don't even remember what happened after that all i remember is i was i was submerged one moment i was on the raft the next moment i was under the water and i could feel the the current pulling me down into the river And in fact, I actually remember very distinctly getting down to where I could feel the bottom of the riverbed, I guess it would be the riverbed on my back. I'm feeling the the riverbed and I'm like floating down. And I remember thinking, this could be it. This this might just be, this might be it. So if our student ministry leaders ever want to go on a camping trip, there'll be no uh, river rafting or anything like that. Um, But I I, I remember thinking this this could be the end. 
in my case, the current that took me down ended up bringing me back up, and I bobbed back up, and actually the boat was not too far away. The, the raft was not too far away, so I was able to put my arm over the raft, and everybody that was on the raft made it back to the raft that day, and, and everybody was safe, and everybody was fine. But in this case, these disciples know that if this thing capsizes, if this thing goes down, nobody's getting out. And so they were terrified, and they were panicked, and they started to become extremely frightened, and they were worried, and they were anxious, because they just... They, they thought it might be the end. Sometimes when you are experiencing a storm in your life, I don't know if this happens to you, but the storm, the thing that you're worried about starts to get exaggerated and starts to get distorted. And before you know it, you, you're, you're induced by panic and you're, you're afraid that it might just be the end of whatever it is that you're experiencing. You're, 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 you're getting really, really, really afraid. So the, the disciples are all terrified. But Jesus had a different approach to the storm. The scripture says, but Jesus was in the stern of the boat asleep on a cushion. Jesus was not panicking. Jesus was not freaking out. Jesus was not terrified. In fact, Jesus was passed out. Now, you know, it's just us here today, right? Because this is a smaller crowd today. So you guys can just help me preach. Would you help me a little bit? So help me, help me with this. Why do you think Jesus was asleep in the boat? Why do you think he was asleep? Anybody got any ideas? There you go, Art. There you go. Just say it, man. You know. He was tired. He was tired, right? This shows his humanity. He had been working really hard and, you know, trying real hard and striving. He was tired. Why else? Why else? Why else? He wasn't worried, right, Edna? He wasn't worried. Jesus was asleep. You can't sleep when you're worried. You can't sleep when you're anxious. You can't sleep when you're panicked. You can't sleep when you're full of fear and trepidation. Jesus was chill. Jesus was relaxed. Jesus was in the middle of the storm snoozing. Why? Because he's not worried. Let me tell you something. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever seems insurmountable, whatever obstacle seems to, to, to threaten to overtake you, God is not worried about that thing. I don't mean he doesn't care. I mean he's not worried. He's not anxious. Because Jesus is the, the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end, Lord of the sea and the wind. He's the Prince of Peace. He's not afraid. Jesus is calm in the midst of the storm. But the disciples are freaking out. So they find Jesus, and the scripture says, and they woke him and said to him the same thing that you and I would say to him, in that situation. They said, teacher, don't you care that we are dying here? Do you not care that we are perishing? Teacher, don't you care about what's happening to us? Sometimes it does feel that way, especially when we're in the middle of a storm. It doesn't feel like anyone cares. It doesn't feel like God cares. It doesn't feel like he's there. It doesn't, you know, his presence isn't always wrapped around us in a sense of, you know, a warm glow. Sometimes we feel all alone, and we may be asking that question, Jesus, do you even care? I want to pause the story here, and I want, to, I want to describe to you what this phrase, Prince of Peace, actually means. So Isaiah calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. When you look at the, the words themselves from the Hebrew Bible, the words Prince of Peace are actually the words Sar Shalom. And Sar means chief it means ruler, it means commander, 
It means head honcho, it means big cheese, it means head, it means prince, okay? That's what Tsar means, like Tsar. It means the one in charge. Shalom means completeness, soundness, wholeness, fullness, safety, peace. So what this scripture is saying, what Isaiah is saying, is that Jesus is in charge of peace. And in fact, when we experience God's peace, it's actually Jesus' peace that is conferred to us. Here's what Jesus said in John 14. He said, peace I leave with you. He said, my peace, my peace I give you. Now, here's what we have to understand about the prince of peace. The ruler of peace will only confer peace in a jurisdiction where he is authorized to rule. He will not extend the benefit of his peace into an area of your life where you have not invited his authority. Somebody, I need an amen on that. You, do you understand what I'm saying? So I used to have a teacher in, in elementary school, and her name was Mrs. Stokes, and she was like the greatest teacher ever. And her classroom was peaceful. It was a very peaceful classroom. She would read us books, and she would give us big hugs, and she was, she was just sweet. Miss Stokes was just sweet. She's one of these ladies that you just felt good being in her presence. You know, she just, she just was a nice lady, right? So when I was in her classroom, I was happy. I felt peaceful. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't worried. I had another teacher uh, who was not as nice. It was not, not Miss Stokes. This teacher will remain unnamed in case, you know, they're listening on the World Wide Web right now. Uh, this teacher was not so, so nice. This classroom was not so peaceful. This, I felt anxiety from this classroom. I, had, I worried. I'd come home and be upset about my experience in this classroom. And there would be times that I wished Mrs. Stokes could come from down the hall from her classroom and come over and be in charge of this classroom because she could bring some of that peace that she had into this classroom. The problem is Mrs. Stokes did not have authority in this classroom. This classroom was outside of her jurisdiction. Her jurisdiction was that classroom, so she could only confer peace in that classroom. She could not confer the Mrs. Stokes peace in this classroom because she didn't have authority in here. Sometimes in our lives, we compartmentalize our lives. We box off, we put our lives into separate little classrooms, right? We've got our, 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 our social life, we've got our school life, we've got our work life, we've got our intellectual life, we've got our you know, dating life or our married life or whatever it is, and then we've got our church life. And we say, hey, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, and Jesus is in charge of my Sunday morning, but he's not in charge of my Saturday night. He's not, I'm not putting him in charge of these other areas of my life. I'm only putting him in charge of this section of my life. And so he cannot confer his peace in the areas of our lives where we, not, where we have not accepted his rule. He can only confer his peace in these areas where we have authorized him to rule. So if you want the peace of Christ to rule in your heart, then you've got to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You've got to let him rule in your heart. His peace does not extend beyond his jurisdiction. So, our question for us, what Jesus is asking of us, is what are the areas of our lives where we have authorized him to rule? Because those are the areas where we will begin to experience his peace in the midst of our storm. 
It does not mean that we will not have storms in those areas of our lives. It does mean, however, that we will experience his peace in the midst of the storm. So the first question is this. Is the prince of peace the prince of your mind? Is he the prince of your mind? A prisoner of war, whenever a prisoner of war is taken into captivity by their captor, the first thing they want to do is reprogram them. They want to sweep their brain and they want to get control of their mind, right? And they'll use any means that they can, torture, uh, sleep deprivation, whatever it is, because they know that if they can get in control of that person's mind, then they'll get in control of the person's body. A lot of times we have not, we have not authorized the Lord to have control of our mind. We've actually let the enemy capture our mind. And I don't know if, you, you know, wherever you're coming from, different, you know, different backgrounds in church and all of this kind of stuff, but the scripture says that we do have an accuser of the brethren. We have an enemy of our soul who will try to take a kernel of truth, wrap it in a web of lies, and introduce it to you as the truth. Usually when you're fear, experiencing fear, anxiety, and worry, what you're actually experiencing is a kernel of truth wrapped in a big lie. You're experiencing a distorted version of the truth. You're experiencing an exaggerated version of the truth. I was speaking to someone one time who said, uh, they were troubled and upset, and, they, and I said, what's wrong? And they said, everything is wrong. Actually, what they said was, everything is always wrong. And I said, well, let's talk about that because that's where we'll start. Um, this morning, when you woke up, was there a, a roof over your head? Okay, yes, there was. Was there food in the cupboard? Yes. Were there clothes available to you? Yes. Uh, was the, the room that you were in um, temperature controlled? Yes. Okay, so let's just, let's just take this, this problem, which is there's something wrong, right? But let's not take it to everything is always wrong because you just mentioned four things that weren't wrong. So a lot of times what happens is we have something that's wrong and we let the enemy of our soul wrap it into a big, turn it in, distort it, exaggerate it, and before we know it, we think everything is wrong and we are, there's water coming in our boat and we think we're going under, right? Here's, the, the, the Apostle Paul was experiencing a storm in his life. 30 years after Jesus died, he was experiencing a storm. He was in a Roman prison. He was chained up to a Roman guard and he wrote a letter to us to tell us how to experience peace. And one of the ways that he said that we can experience peace is, is by making sure that Jesus rules and reigns in our mind. Here's exactly what he says in the letter. He said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. He said, let the rightness, the trueness, the righteousness, the, the truth of God reign in your mind. Let him rule in your mind because that's where you will experience the peace of God. You'll experience the peace of God in your mind when you allow the peace of God to rule in your mind. That's the first part. The second question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we allowing the Prince of Peace to rule in our heart? So it's one thing to intellectually assent and say, okay, I believe this. It's another thing to actually believe it in your heart. It's one thing to believe it in your mind. I don't know if you've ever been rappelling, but they've got a little uh, rock wall down here in, at the, in downtown. And you can climb this rock wall, and you've got a rope on you, you've got a harness, and you've got these carabiners and these pulleys, and you, know, you get up to the top of the wall, 
And then you get to the top of the wall climbing up, and then they say, okay, just lean back, and we got you. Just lean back into your harness. Well, it's one thing to know that, hey, this rope can hold, you know, 1,000 pounds, and this pulley can hold 2,000 pounds, and these carabiners can hold, you know, 500 pounds. It's another thing to go, okay, and just lean back into that harness and to trust with your heart. Intellectually, you know it's going to hold you, but are you, really re- are you really ready to lean back and experience that, right? Paul wrote this. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So he's saying, I want your heart. I want you to pray with your heart, with thanksgiving in your heart. Present your request to God and the peace of God. Here's what will happen. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Is he the prince of your mind? Is he the prince of your heart? He's saying, I want to rule and reign in your mind and in your heart. And then the Apostle Paul adds one more line at the, bo- at the, at the bottom part of this portion of the letter. And he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And what? The peace of God will be with you. So is Jesus the prince of your practice? Because you cannot experience his peace if your life is outside of his authority. We cannot experience God's peace in our heart when we are contravening his word and we're contravening his commands and his rule. I want to I be a person who experiences the peace of God in my life, but I cannot be that person if I am consistently stepping outside of his jurisdiction and of his power and of his reign and of his uh, rule in my life. It just won't happen. And so we have to ask ourselves, and each of you knows for yourself, where am, I, where am I subjecting my life to the rule and reign of God, and where am I not? Because I would submit to you that the areas where you're experiencing the least amount of peace, at least this is for me, are the areas where you are stepping outside of God's purview. So if I begin to be very anxious and worry about something, usually my wife says, hey, did you pray about that? And I go, that's a good point. Thanks for reminding the pastor to pray about the thing that he was worrying about. I really appreciate it. So, because it's, it's very easy, like the, it's very easy like the disciples to say, hey, we're sailors. We can navigate this on our own. We know how to do this on our own, right? But Jesus is saying, I want you to have peace. I want you to, con- I want, I want you to con- open up your heart and let me have authority over your life so I can extend my peace to you. The scripture says the wind is blowing, the waves are coming over the boat. The disciples are now screaming out for help from Jesus. And the scripture says, Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. He just said, hey, wind, storm, waves, sea, chill out, be calm, be still. He said, shh, be still still. Today, I believe that those of you who are here and are experiencing anxiety and worry and storms in your life, God is saying to you and to me today, he's saying, peace, be still. I'm the prince of peace, and I want you to have peace and calm in the storm of your life. I don't want you to be tangled up in anxiety and worry and fear and panic. I want you to experience my peace. 
I want you to have my peace in your life. So give your heart. Give your mind. Give your practice to Jesus and experience his peace in your life. Because he wants to give you peace. My peace I give to you. He wants you to experience it. But you have to accept it. You can't experience it if you don't open up the doors and say, Jesus, rule and reign in my life. Rule and reign in my heart. Rule and reign in my mind. I praise God for this church and the, and, and the way that this church has become a sanctuary for people who are struggling and who are hurting and who are suffering and who are experiencing all kinds of storms in their life. And they come in here and I hear, I get emails, I get calls every week and people say, gosh, I just feel, I feel like it's family here. I feel at peace. I come here and I experienced love of God, right? Because the more we as a family, the more, as we, the more that we as a spiritual community experience peace amongst ourselves, the peace of God and invite him into our lives, invite him into our community, invite him into our growth track and into our life groups and into our Sunday morning worship services and everything else, the more we bring him into our lives, the more peace we experience even when the storms are raging around us. So I'm going to pray that this week there'll be a song stuck in your mind and it will be this. There is peace in the midst of the storm-tossed life. There's an anchor. There's a rock to cast my faith upon. Jesus Christ is my vessel and I will fear no alarm because he gives me peace in the midst of my storm. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your strength, your might, your power. I ask, Lord God, that each and every one of us today would open up our hearts and embrace you as the Lord of our life. And we would follow you. And we would say, Christ, we give you authority in our heart and in our mind and in our body. And we, we want to follow you. We want to follow your word. We want to we want to pursue you. We want to serve one another. We want to love each other and, and, and live righteously and, and, and give you our heart, soul, mind, and body and love you with everything we've got and love our neighbor as ourself. We want to just, we want to go after you because we know that when we do, we experience your peace even when there are struggles around us, even when the winds of life are whipping past us and the waves of light, life are cresting into the boat. We know that your peace is available to us when we accept your rule in our life and we accept your authority in our life. So God, we open our hearts to you today and we say bring peace in the midst of our storm. We pray, God, for every single person here, no matter what they're going through with, with their families or with their finances or their lives, their careers, their school, whatever it is, as, as Christmas comes and sometimes those anxieties and those worries increase, I just pray that we, each and every one of us, would experience your peace in the midst of it. Experience your peace in the midst of our storm. May you be honored. May you receive all the glory, all the power, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.